welcome to The War from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me at box13 at greatdetectives.net. With America's entry to the war, for many people it marked a pretty dramatic shift in priorities. From uh, focusing on uh, what's in it for me, to uh, focusing on the greater good of the whole country. How the war changed people's uh, priorities was something that always fascinated Arch Obler. In February of 1941, he began a new series of uh, plays aired over NBC, uh, called simply Plays for Americans. It was sustaining uh, broadcast. And uh, this is the first episode, Johnny Quinn, United States uh, Navy. So let's go ahead and take a listen from February 1st of 1942. The National Broadcasting Company presents Plays for Americans by Arch Obler. As a further contribution to national defense, NBC brings you a limited series of new plays dedicated to people of goodwill everywhere who believe in the inherent dignity of man, who fight together now for life, liberty, and happiness for all. This is a war of men and ideas, and these will be plays of the men and the ideas that make up our America of today. As the first of this series, we bring you the talented Miss Olivia de Havilland in a new play, Johnny Quinn, U.S.N. I'll tell you a pleasant thing. The way your father looked, the way he talked and walked and laughed, and what he thought. Your father was born in a little place called Far Harbor, in a cold little sea-swept town in Maine. He died on a day when the sun was very warm and very bright in a place they call Pearl Harbor. Let me tell you. I think he must have been a very funny little boy, your father. I didn't know him then, of course, but I've seen pictures of him at seven, standing as if he had a board against his back, and his eyes kind of popping out because the collar of his Sunday suit was so very tight around his neck. But I'll tell you something else. Even in that silly old picture, and even though he was a very small boy, there was something in his face that said... What's it all about? What's it all about? Hey, what'd you say, Jenny? I said, what's it all about? About taking your picture, that's what. Why? Oh, now you hold still. Blame flash powder. Because your mother told me to make your picture, that's why. Now stop twisting. Yeah, look at the birdie. What birdie? Oh, stop talking. Steady now, steady. Why does my what? mother want my picture? Oh, for land's sakes. You think these wet plates don't cost money? What do you think she wants your picture? Because mothers are darn... I mean to say because she figures you'll never amount to a darn. So she wants to have a picture to prove you did one thing in your life that you were supposed to do. Stand still for a couple of minutes in front of a camera. 
But why does she want now, me... Now, Johnny Quinn, you stop asking whys. Whys. Just stand there and get your picture to Always, yes. Always wanting to know why he had to do things. That was your father at seven. That was your father at 17. When I first met him. High school. Here, Anne, I guess these are the seats. Six and seven. I'll go first. All right, Oliver. Gee, we're so late. Oh, pardon me. Come on, Anne. I'm with you. Pardon me. Uh, excuse me, couldn't we get by there? I beg your pardon. Here, Anne. Yes. You here, me here. Oh, gee. Weren't we lucky getting six well seats? Yes, we were. Got to find out what the score is. Yeah, I wonder if anyone... Seven to three there, favor, beginning of second quarter. Oh, thanks, Bella. I sure appreciate... Oh. Hi, Johnny. Hi. How about introductions? What? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, Ann Griffith, Johnny Quinn. Hello. Glad to meet you. Johnny Quinn? I've heard that name before. Have you? Ann, look at the program. That Edgewood bun sure got the weight on us. Look, here it says... Wait a minute, Oliver. John... Why should I know your name? Are you somebody important? Anne, look, the program, it says... Oliver, please don't keep interrupting me. John, Johnny, I've just gotten back to town. We've been traveling. What do you do at school that's so terribly important? You better watch the game, Anne. I'm taboo. What's that? Yeah, no touching, no speaky, two, no see. But why? Look at the scoreboard. There's your answer. The guy won't play football. How do you like that? Johnny, is that true? Yeah, sure. What do you keep looking at me like that for? I, I don't know. Will you meet me after the game? Oh, no, I couldn't. I'll... Come on, meet me. I, I want to talk to you. Yeah, I, I want to talk to you. And that was how I met your father. After the game, we met and walked. Cold? No. You? No. Walking too fast? No. Johnny? Yeah? You asked me out to walk and talk, but we just walk. Uh, why talk? Johnny, why are you so old? What? You're not like any of the boys I've ever met. You're not much older than I am. Why do you act so old? Wind's getting bad. I think we better go. No, Johnny, no. You've got to tell me. What's the matter? Please, please tell me. Just walk and tell me. Tell you what? Who you are and... and why. Well, I'm... I'm just Johnny Quinn. No, please, you know what I mean. Tell me. Well, my father... My father was what everybody called a swell fella. He never asked questions. Somebody'd come to him for a loan, he'd give it. Sign a note, he'd do it. Buy a drink, he'd buy it. Swell fella, everybody said. But when he got killed when I was 11, they took the house away and everything away. My mother had to go out and do day work. There wasn't enough of that in the little town where we lived, so we came here. She's still working. Yeah, I work too. I got this afternoon off. And I don't want to go to school, but she makes me. I don't play football because I haven't got the time. My father never figured things out, but I'm going to all my life. I got the right to ask questions. I got the right to know why I do anything before I do it. I've got a right to know what's in it for me. That's all there is to it. Mm -hmm. 
that's what your father told me. I've got a right to know what's in it for me. I didn't see him much after that. He went to classes and right after them went to work. Didn't have much time for girls. And I didn't have much time for thinking of him, studying and, and just growing up. But I did think of him every once in a while. His thin, hard face and the way his jaw was always tight, as if he was expecting life to, to hit him and wanted to be ready for it. And then I heard that he'd left school. I didn't see him again for three years. We met again at another football game. Third down and five. Wynn substituting for Parkson. Freddie, who was that they just sent in? What'd you say? That substitute. Who is he? Oh, that's Quinn. Third-year man for state. Paper said he was hurt. I wish he was. We'd have a chance. As it is now, the things... glasses, please. Well, sure, but say, he's not that good-looking. Believe me. Believe me. Through the glasses, I saw... It was Johnny, all right. Johnny Quinn, who said he wouldn't play football. I sent a note down to the dressing room. We met after the game. He looked quite prosperous. And he had a car. Enjoy the game? Yes. You're very good, aren't you? Lucky. No, good. They were right wanting you to play for them, Edgewood High School. Uh, all right, I'd forgotten. Why did you change your mind, Johnny? About football? Yes. Simple. Is it? They pay me. The alumni. Tuition and 60 a month. Oh, I needed college training. I'm getting it at the price of running a few touchdowns. Where'll we go? Johnny, I uh, want to ask you something else. Now, wait a minute. You've forgotten. What? Me. I'm the question asker. I want to know how you've been and what you've done. How did a skinny girl turn into someone so so beautiful? I, I, I want to know about your mother, Johnny. Is she all right? She died last year. Oh, I'm sorry. No reason to be sorry. She lived a hard life. And you still think you're hard, don't you? Sure. I'm out for Johnny Quinn. I don't believe that. You better start believing it. I wouldn't like that, Johnny Quinn. No? Well, that'd be just too bad. Yeah, just too bad. He said that, your father, to me. His lips said it. But his eyes... We didn't meet again for another year. This time, it was at a party. And now, my dear, I want you to meet a man to remember. He gives no quarter and asks none. Johnny Quinn. Johnny, this is... I know. You've met? Yes, we met. Well, forgive me. <laughs> Do forgive me. How are you, Johnny? I'm fine. I see you are. So we... What's the matter? I just heard myself asking you if, you if you'd like to go off someplace and talk. That's what we always do, isn't it? Yes. Look, I, I've got some tickets for a concert. Someone gave them to me. I didn't want to go alone. It's the kind of thing you like, so let's go. Okay? Okay. It seemed so strange at the time. Your father wanting to go to a concert. And it was Tristan, of all things. But then, I knew so much and yet so little of him. We went. We sat high in the balcony. 
The music. I can hear it now. music. But while it played, my eyes kept going to Johnny Quinn. His eyes were closed, and his thin face was at peace. And as I looked at him, his eyes opened, and he looked at me, and he smiled a slow smile, and I loved him. him, and I was afraid of him, because somehow Johnny Quinn to me was what was wrong with the world. He was the man who had nothing and wanted something and would do anything to get it, no matter whom it hurt. He was the man who had something, and to hold on to that something would do anything, no matter whom it hurt. He was... He... He was Johnny Quinn. And somehow, all at once, I loved him, and I wanted to change him. And that night, he turned his head and spoke to me. Anne. Yes? I tried to find out where you lived. Did you? Yes. Yes? Will you marry me? Johnny. I said it and I mean it. Will you marry me? Oh. No. No, Johnny. No. your father, and I said no. I said no to him. As we left the concert, he was very angry. Well, put it into words, at least. We've walked from six to the river, and all you've said is no. I know I haven't had time for a build-up proposing like this, but, well, I'm a sudden guy. Not for a husband, Johnny. All right, I've heard that. Put it into words. Yes. I will. You know there's a world outside yourself. What kind of a question is that? I'll ask you another. Did you see today's headlines? Headlines? Sure, of course I did. What were they? Why, Chamberlain got back from Munich today. And what does that mean to you? Should it mean something? I'm asking. All right. So they sold out the little guys. So we'll have peace for a while. So what? That's the way the world is. Big dog eat little dog. So for a while, everything's quiet. And that's all it means to you? For Pete's sake, what should it mean? Well... Doesn't the fact that the price of Munich will be that hundreds of thousands of little Czech people, good people, are going to be hurt and mean anything to you? Oh, now, Anne, are we going to start on politics? Politics? 
When you use it that way, I'm afraid I don't know what the word means. I'm talking about people. And I'm talking about us, you and me. What have we got to do with what's happening to, to foreigners half the world away? That's just it. Once you said, what's in it for me? I'm asking that question now, Johnny. What's in a marriage for me to a man who, who thinks of the world as, as a hunting ground and everybody but himself the, the prey to be hunted? No, Anne. No, let me finish. You haven't known me at all. And I hope that I didn't quite know you as I know you now. The world's full of people like you, Johnny. People who think they can live apart from the stream of mankind and not eventually pay for it. I talk of marriage and you stand up on a soapbox. Oh, Johnny, for the last time, try and understand me. Oh, I know what a terrible thing your childhood was, but you're a man and you've got to have a man's values now. You're a man and a world of men where all the oldest hatreds and cruelties have come to life. And the fight against those is reality, nothing else. This is a time in a world when you've got to take sides. You're for those things and you shut your ears to persecution or you're against them and you start in fighting. Which are you for, Johnny? The same one. Johnny Quinn. And so I went away. And I didn't see your father or hear from him until a few months later when I got a letter from him. I read it. And at first, I couldn't quite believe. So, there it is, Anne, right on the line. I've joined the Navy. Air Force. Johnny Quinn? Navy? Air Force? Johnny Quinn a part of something? Johnny Quinn listening to anyone but himself? I couldn't believe it. Until I read the next words. No, Anne, I haven't got religion. Just being smart. You see... I've figured out that aviation is going to be the ground floor to what you apparently don't care about. Cash in the bank. Since the Navy will pay for my training and a salary besides, well, here I go. Yep. Still dog-eat-dog Johnny. You know, I couldn't quite answer you that night you lit into me. I, I never was much good at off-the-cuff answers. But maybe I can put it into words right now. What's wrong with the world is... It's not the ones like me who say, this is my life, let the other fellow take care of himself. No. What's wrong is your kind. The ones with their, their heads up in the nice pink clouds. The ones who talk truth and honor and justice and forget the plain fact that, that the only thing that matters in life is cash in the bank. So it's off I am to a nice, cozy little session at the taxpayer's expense, Anne. When they've taught me all I want to know, I'll be back to call on you. Maybe by that time, you'll be off your little lace-trimmed soapbox and ready to listen to good common sense. That's what he wrote me, your father. You'll be off your lace trim soapbox. I put the letter away and knew that I had to... to shut my mind and heart to every future thought of Johnny Quinn. I tried to. And then one day, the doorbell... Johnny. I'm cold. Come in. Anne. Your uniform. Very nice. I wanted to see you very much. I, I'm going out. With me. No. Then listen, just a minute. I leave for Hawaii tomorrow. Hawaii? The squadron. We're ordered out. Oh. Anne, look at me. All the things you talked about, being part of the world and having to do something about it, I sort of believe that now. Johnny. <laughs> Sounds crazy, doesn't it? But... 
But you've been in my mind so much, I guess your idea's climbed in, too. And before I go, marry me. Say it, Anne. Marry me. Marry me. We were married, your father and I. And the next day he went away. And just before he went, he said something to me. Well, Anne, it's just a minute. Yes. I, I think I better tell you something. What? Well, I may be gone for quite some time. I mean, before I can send for you. I know that. Might be some time. Why do you keep saying that? Well, because I'm going out there for a purpose. I, I want to get all I can out of it for myself. Having you out there might slow me up. I, oh, and that's just what I want to say. I haven't changed. It's still Johnny Quinn first and then the rest. What I told you yesterday... Well, I wanted you so much. I just told you what you wanted to hear, that's all. I, I wanted you to know that because... I wanted to be fair. Well, aren't you going to say something? And the train. Yes, the train. Get on the train, Johnny Quinn. Get on it and don't ever come back to me. I don't want you. Ever. 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 When I started to tell you all this, my son... Told you I'd talk of pleasant things. This isn't, is it? A woman marries a man for what he says he is. And then he isn't. The train went in a moment, and he went. And then the only memory of him were the letters that began to come. The letters that I didn't believe. And now, December 7th. I'll tell you about that. It was early in the day. The telephone rang. Hello? Hello? This is long distance. One moment, please. Who? Ready with New York. Go ahead, Pearl Harbor. Hello? Is this Mrs. John Quinn? Yes. Just a moment. Go ahead, Lieutenant. Hello? Hello, Anne? Yes. How are you, Anne? All right. You? Well, that's why I phoned you. Johnny, you're all right. Oh, sure, but my letters. Anne, you never... Well, gosh, tonight I just couldn't sleep. I just had to talk to you. Anne, I'm not going to tell you how much I love you. I do, but there's something else I want to say, very much. In all these months I've been stationed out here, the Navy... I mean, the men. Anne, I want to tell you... Johnny. Johnny. Hello, Johnny. Operator. Operator, we're cut off. I was talking to Hawaii, some place in Hawaii, Pearl Harbor. Sorry, the line's been temporarily disconnected. Sorry, the line's been temporarily disconnected. I hung up the phone. I sat there, I waited. He'd call me back. He'd tell me what he started to tell me. I waited. He didn't call. The hours went by. He didn't call. And then a radio across the hall. Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor? What a Pearl Harbor? Japanese treacherously attacked Pearl Harbor. Attack? Pearl Harbor. Johnny, I went back to the telephone. He'd call. He must call. 
He never did. But let me tell you what he did do, son. On that December 7th. The enemy, while talking peace and friendship, suddenly began to bomb and burn. And Lieutenant Quinn took off in his plane and went up high into the air and saw a formation of enemy bombers down below and dove down through the sky and crashed the enemy and died. Just that, my son. The enemy, one plane, and Johnny Quinn. Men have a word for that. Heroism. Before this war is won, there'll be other wives and mothers to cry for and be proud of that word. But your father's dying was a special thing because what he did was how he told me what he wanted me to know. Anne, I want to tell you. Anne, I want to tell you. Sorry, the line's disconnected. Sorry, the line's disconnected. I know what Johnny wanted to say. I know it as clearly as if I'd been right there next to him that moment before he turned the plane down toward the sea. Anne, let me tell you what I've got to tell you. They broke the phone connection, didn't they? Well, no matter. Now I can say it. All my life, I thought it was just Johnny Quinn against the rest. And what I got was mine, no matter how I got it. And then I got you that way and didn't have you. And then I joined the Navy and didn't have that either. But why, I asked myself, why? I'm smarter than the rest. Why should they who have nothing have something? And I take what I want and never have it. And then I got out here and met the men of this squadron. My squadron. The way they talked and flew. And all the big and little things they did day in and day out. Suddenly I saw they weren't out of step. I was. Me, wise guy Johnny Quinn. For they were giving something all the time. And I was taking. That was the difference. But why were they giving? I tried to find that out. What percentage was in it, this giving business? Yes, what was in it that they should give and take a punch at anyone who asked what they were getting for it? And then I thought of you, Anne. And all your words I'd laughed at. Hadn't listened to, hadn't understood. And suddenly, as quick as the dive I'm going to take now, I understood it all. You were part of a world, and they were part of a world. The world of all the people willing to die for something bigger than themselves. Yes, you were all in step with every man and woman and kid who'd ever stood up under the whip or charged across a no-man's land or died in a concentration camp or hung upon a cross. Yes, you believed something bigger than the world itself. You believed that every man who stood up for the right to be a man was your brother. That every woman who spoke for freedom for her children was your sister. That every child born under God's son was your child. Remember? Which side are you on, Johnny Quinn, you said? The side of those who hide and say, let me alone, the fights the other fellows to win for me. The side of stabbing in the back and slow starvation for the children and the gangsters standing on the backs of all the little peoples. No, Ant, not that side. Your side. The side of dying, maybe, but living in that dying. Your side, Anne. Yours, 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 yours. And so, my son, I've told you of your father. The way he walked and talked. And even what he thought. 
That's all there is to say. Why, Mrs. Quinn, are you still awake? Yes. And who are you talking to? <laughs> My son. Oh, don't you think you'd better wait until tomorrow when he's born? Yes. Well, good night. Sleep well. Good night. Good night, my son. Good night, Johnny Quinn. have just heard Miss Olivia de Havilland in Johnny Quinn, USN, the first of a limited series of new radio plays by Arch Obler. The National Broadcasting Company brings you these dramas as a further contribution to national defense. Mr. Havilland appeared through the courtesy of Warner Brothers and the Hollywood Victory Committee for stage, screen, and radio. With Mr. Havilland was Alfred Ryder. The original music was composed by Dr. Frank Black, who conducted the orchestra. Welcome back. And no doubt there were other soldiers and sailors like Johnny Quinn, whose lives and values were reshaped by the war. Well, that will do it for today. If you would like to share your experience or that of a loved one during World War II, please email your stories to box13 at greatdetectives.net. We'll consider all stories to be shared on the air. We also welcome your suggestion as to future programs. This program is dedicated to those who fought and died in World War II and is presented as a service of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, greatdetectives.net. The opening theme is The Heroic by Ken Curlin, kencurlin.com.